welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to Joshua chapter 3. We're going to read the first few verses of Joshua chapter 3, and um, we're going to camp out there today. And next week, we're going to start a new sermon series, um, walking through a book of the Bible. So one of the Gospels, we're going to actually take on one of the Gospels. It's going to take us a while, but we're going to go through the story of Jesus and uh, his teaching and all the red letters, and it's going to be, it's going to be awesome. So I'm looking forward to jumping into that. But right, right now, we're in the Old Testament, um, Yeshua chapter 3, <laughs> verse 1. Uh, this is the same name as Jesus. This is Yeshua, Joshua. It means the Lord saves. And God is using Joshua to lead the people of Israel um, finally out of the wilderness and into the promised land, into the land that he had promised to his people. And this is what he says. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan. He and all the children of Israel, and they lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and, say that with me, go after it. When you see the ark of the covenant moving, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. I don't know if you like to underline in your Bible, um, but if, you, if I were you, I would underline those three words, uh, go after it. And if you don't like to underline your Bible, maybe we'll underline it there for you. There you go. Uh, just so that you don't miss it. Uh, so I really want you to remember, this is, this is my message for basically in a nutshell today. I believe it's time for you uh, to go after it. So would you touch somebody that you're sitting next to or sitting behind? Babe, you're sitting in front of people. You can turn around to Jackie and touch them on the shoulder and tell them the message title today. Go ahead and tell it to them. There you go. There's a couple of people. Did you? All right. Wrote told me. All right, babe, you go. At, I'll, tell, I'll tell you and me. It's you and me. Go at. That's right. Because 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 honestly, I was reading this passage today and I, and I was like uh, this week and I was thinking, man, I feel almost like one of those officers. Joshua sent some officers into the camp and said, hey guys, look, God is on the move because that's what the, that's what the Ark of the Covenant represented in those times. It was the physical representation of the actual presence of God. It was also a representation of the covenant. It was the Ark of the Covenant or the relationship that they had with God. And so it was the symbol of their relationship with God. It was a symbol of the presence of God. And so the officers went through the camp and they said, hey, when you see God moving, when you see him moving, I want you to set out from the place that you're at and go after it. I mean, Picture the scene for just a minute. They traveled from Acacia Grove, which is about 12 miles, to the Jordan River. So they set out early in the morning, and by the time they got there, it would have been late at night. It takes about, I don't know if you ever walked 12 miles with uh, about 3 million people, but after all those potty breaks, it's going to take a little while to get through 12 miles and get to the Jordan. And probably, they probably got there late at night, and they said, hey, you know what? We can't cross right now, so let's set up tent 
right? Let's set up camp. Let's put the tents out. Let's make some firewood. Let's roast some dinner and let's go to sleep. So they go to sleep and they wake up the next morning. They're like, man, we're kind of tired today. We had a long journey yesterday, you know, and so they're sleeping in. And so the people of God, they're right there on the edge of the Jordan and they're sleeping in all day. They're taking a day off, hanging out. Kids are splashing around in the river, in the San Marcos River, right? They're just, they're just hanging out. There's, they're, they're enjoying the rest and there's nothing wrong with rest. And then the next day, Joshua's like, are you guys ready to go? And they're like, no, we're still kind of tired. I think we're just going to hang out here just a little bit longer. And then the third day, finally Joshua says, hey, wait, 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 wait. I've seen this before. I've seen where people get on the edge of the fulfillment of the promises and they get tired. I've seen where they travel so far, get right up to the edge of it, get right up next door. They can actually see Jericho. It's about six miles from there on a flat plain. They can actually see the next kingdom. They can see across the river, Jordan, and that's where they get tired. And so Joshua said, hey, we're not, we're, we're not going to have none of that this time. So I'm going to send some messengers into the camp. So I feel like God sent me as a messenger into this camp. Because like, 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 it's so interesting how humans work. This is exactly how humans work. We're, we, we, we get motivated for a season. And then we take a rest for a minute, take a breather, and we never get back up. I've done some construction before and the hardest time to start construction is not first thing in the morning because then you've had some coffee and some donuts. It's after lunch. You know what I'm saying? After you had some lunch and some pizza and it's hot outside and you're like, ah, I think I'm pretty good now. I think I'm just, a, I think we've done enough today. We've accomplished enough, right? Because sometimes rest is good, but rest can be a trap if you stay in it. And so they, they're, they're, they're hanging out there, and for three days, and Joshua says, wait, 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 wait. Forty years ago, Joshua was at this same place with the same group of people, although not these people, it was their parents, and they sent some spies into the promised land, and they hung out, and they thought about it, and they, and they hee-hawed around, and they, that's a Texas term, they hee-hawed around. It's just long enough, just long enough. <laughs> It's not really Texas? Okay, sorry, my bad. They, they, they told me that was Texas. I don't know what they, that they're telling me. So um, I've been lied to. I've been lied to. Um, what's, a, what's, what's a good Texas term? Within context of what I'm saying. I understand y'all is a Texas term. Meandered. All right. I don't know. We'll have to, what was that? Fiddle farting. That is definitely not. That's, that's Northeast. That's somewhere from the Northeast. I don't know. That sounds like something Poppy would say. We got, is this from back in the 50s? I don't know, but I don't know what they say nowadays, but they, 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 they halted long enough and thought about it long enough to where they talked themselves out of it and they comforted themselves out of it. And they encouraged themselves out of action. <laughs> they sat around and they, they stared long enough and, and they never moved. And Joshua said, no, we're not going to have it this time. So this time he's going to send the officers into the camp. And the officers come into the camp. And by the way, this isn't just true of like the camp, but it's also true of City Chapel. It takes about three weeks for you to find your favorite seat at City Chapel. And we know that Davidson's going to sit right there. The Fenton's going to be right there. Lou's going to be there or there, usually depending if right around there. 
and you just kind of, you just kind of, Megan, that's, that's where, that's Megan's spot. That's Megan's spot. Don't know, don't nobody take Megan's spot. And that's why occasionally, that's why occasionally we'll just throw everything around and we'll sit in a circle. And oh, God, my seat is gone. I have to find a new seat. Oh, no. And it's so traumatic because it takes like 30 seconds for you to get comfortable at whatever seat you're in. And you find your comfort level and you sit in your comfort level. And I feel like sometimes God has to send messengers into the camp to say, look, you've been sitting there long enough. You've been thinking about it long enough, been praying about it long enough. You've been contemplating it long enough. You've been battling time to go after it. You're going to have to actually make a shift, actually make a change, actually move forward. And I believe that, like, especially in this environment nowadays, discouragement is setting in among so many people, both Christians and non-Christians. It's, it's overwhelming discouragement, and discouragement will paralyze you from moving forward. Discouragement will keep you on this side of the promises of God. Discouragement will keep you on the other side, the, 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 the unfulfilled side, the side where you see it, the side where you believe it, the side where you keep hoping for it, but you never actually receive it or achieve it. And so anyway, what I want to do today is I want to stir you up to go after it. So just, just to get you out of your comfort zone, would you just stand with me right, right there where you're at? Just stand up to your feet. I know you've been standing for a long time in worship. Okay, now I want you to turn to somebody that you're sitting next to. And babe, you can turn around to Jackie. And I want you to just to tell them real quickly, tell them to go after it. Because now you're going to do it. Now you're going to look in the eyes. And Poppy's going to give you a hug. And she's going to tell you to, to go to go after it. Yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you very much. You may be seated. You may be seated. Wonderful. See, we'll, we'll, we'll see, because when I told you to tell people, you didn't really do it. So they want to have you stand up. You actually do it. So I mean, this is a trick. It's a trick is what that is. And so what happens is that we get comfortable. So to go after it, you have to go out of your comfort zone. God's promises for you are always outside of your comfort zone. God's, God's promises for you are always achieved outside of your comfort zone. In other words, your comfort level of worship, like usually your hands are like this, the, your, your, God, <laughs> the, the holding the TV position, that's, that's, where you, that's where you live, you know? So I throw up partially my hands and praise you again. You know what I mean? And so, so what I'm saying is that what God is calling you to do is to go after it, to go after him, to go after his presence. And I really believe God's calling you to go after it. In other words, to come ready to go after it. <laughs> I want to be a pastor of a church that's always going after it. I don't ever want to be a pastor of a church that's content with where we are or what we've seen. And, and I want you personally to go after it. I want you to experience more of God in your family, more of God in your personal life. When you read the Bible, I want it to come alive. I want you to go after God. I want you to go after his presence. I want you to go after his anointing for your life and the call that he has on your life. I don't ever want you just to sit back and relax. I want you to go after it. When you see him moving, when you see him moving in your life, I have news for you that heaven is not in a recession. Heaven is not nervous about people's responses. Heaven is not concerned about Facebook posts. Heaven is not holding back because certain things are happening and certain people will say certain stuff about you. God is not concerned about that. God is on the move. I don't know if you read the book of Revelation or not, but as, as Satan in the book of Revelation is, is just going crazy and unleashing his anger and his fury and his wrath on people and on the world, God is also moving. 
Jesus said that the wheat and the chaff would grow up together. In other words, it's never just one. It's never just the enemy and all Christians need to huddle up and, and, be, and, and be afraid and, and be cautious and, and make sure not to say the wrong thing because you don't want to offend somebody. <laughs> God's kingdom is moving forward and his truth is marching forward in spite of misinformation, in spite of lies. No matter who believes it and who doesn't believe it, his kingdom is moving forward. And you can go after it. You can go after it right now. You can go after it personally. We've been feeling this just in our finances. I don't know if anybody's been feeling the pinch in their finances, but gas prices go up, groceries go up, and suddenly we're not getting any more, but we're spending a lot more. And what I've been feeling is that, is that in the, just even in Ro and I, like me and Ro, like in our finances, I'm the one who kind of looks over the, the finances. And so it's not like a detailed budget. It's just kind of a basic sort of how are we doing kind of budget, you know? And so at the end of May, I told Ro, I'm like, babe, like, like we're not saving anything. Like normally we try to save a little bit, we try to live below our means. We try to be smart about stuff. We don't splurge on things. And then I realized like we're not really saving anything. We have a little bit less in the bank than we had in the beginning of January. And so I don't know where we're going off, but like we need to like suck, tighten our belt, suck in a little bit. Like we just need to not go out to eat. We need to be careful about all the things we're doing. And so, th and so in June we did. We were careful. And we got hit with a few big bills, right? Our horse died. That cost $1,200 that night. That was last Saturday night. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, we had some insurance come due, home insurance for half because we have to pay extra for our farm. Anyway, we got hit in June. And so we still, <laughs> we still didn't make it. So we're hoping that July, we're going to break even. We're hoping we're going to be able to stick with it. But honestly, we're spending more because it costs more to live right now and rent is going up and transportation is going up and we're not the kind of people that spend a lot on like trips to europe you know so normally stuff doesn't hit us but when the general cost no offense baloo but those who do go to europe like lord bless you lord love you keep you may his face shine upon you and give you peace but it's just like the normal <laughs> the no baloo just got back from europe that's why i'm saying that that's why it's why i'm you know but I mean, normally we don't feel the pinch of the economy, but when it hits just the general normal spending, just to eat groceries and stuff, you know, like these kinds of things are hitting us. And, and I'm not necessarily concerned about finances because I know that my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory, which is in Christ Jesus. And I'm not concerned about finances for the church because I know that my God shall supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I'm concerned about our emotions. I'm concerned about our drive. I'm concerned that we will, that we will instead, of, instead of going from first to second to third to fourth to fifth to sixth, I'm concerned we'll stay in second because we want to be, too, we want to be careful. We don't want to overextend ourselves. We, don't want to, we, 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 we need to be cautious. We need to back up a little bit. We need to be careful. We need to close in. It's the same thing that I was concerned about two years ago when everybody was quarantining. And it's okay to quarantine as long as you don't get a spirit of quarantine. As long as you don't get a spirit of, okay, I'm going to stay in my house and you stay in your house and you stay over there and you keep six feet away from me. It's I, like, <laughs> I know sometimes we got to do what we got to do. And I, and I did it right to flatten the curve in two weeks. That's what like that, that, that was a brilliant strategy. And so we did that. And uh, over the course of two years, we flattened the curve because everybody got it. And the curve suddenly was flattened. And, 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 and I'm happy to do that, but I'm concerned about our, our hearts. 
I'm concerned about people I'm pastoring that they're, that they're pulling back and it's just me and mine and I'm going to look out for me and mine and I'm going to take care of me and mine and I'm going to put up, build up walls around me and I'll have a spirit of quarantine and I'll have a spirit of, of scarcity and I'll have a spirit of lack and I'll stop being generous and I'll stop watching for what God's doing next because I'm too busy trying to hedge my bets and we'll camp out on this side of our promises. And we'll get comfy and we'll get complacent. And so really, I just want to challenge you to go after it. I want to challenge you to pack up some stuff, pack up some attitudes, pack up some, some complacency, pack up some habits that are holding you back. In order, he said, you have to leave the place that you're in in order to go where God's, where God's leading. So you're going to have to leave some friends behind. You're going to have to leave some habits behind. You're going to have to pack up some, some, some self-pity because you'll never go after God as you feel sorry for yourself. You'll never go after God as you feel sorry for the stuff you've been through and the difficulties that you've faced. And, and as, you, as long as you focus on how much it, your life has cost you and following God has cost you, you'll never step into the next season. And it's like you sacrifice all this way to get right here. And you're so close. And this is it. This is your only life. This is the only life that, that we get. We don't get a second chance. We don't get a second shot at this. We have one chance to be obedient to God and to pursue him and to follow him in this age. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to stand before him and be like, well, it was 2020, so I guess that's why I didn't go after God. Because there's a lot that we can't control, but we can control our own hearts. We can control our own emotions. We can control our own thinking and our own minds. And we can decide that no matter what recession or no recession or who's in the White House or who's not in the White House or who's in the Supreme Court or who's not in the Supreme Court, that I'm going to go after it. That I'm going to be obedient to God. That I'm going to be faithful to God in my generation. That my kids are going to see parents that regardless of the opposition, they held fast to the word of God and they were faithful to do what God called. And when they saw God moving, they moved. And whatever God was moving in, they went after it. And whatever God was speaking in their generation, they adopted it as their own. That whatever God was doing, they went after it and they moved. And so I want to encourage you to go after it. You say, how do I go after it? Well, so this is my, that's my first point, go after it. My second point is very similar to the first point. And you might miss it if you don't listen carefully. My first point is go after. My second point is go after it. Somebody just missed it. So the first point is go after it. The second point is go after it. Uh, the passage says, he says, you should go after it. You're going to have to leave your place and go after it. Yet, <laughs> that means but, that means hold up. Wait, 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 wait. Some of you overachievers, hold up. <laughs> I know, I know you're there early. You're going to get that new iPhone, but, but, but hold on. You're going to go after it. Yet, there shall be a Space between you and it. <laughs> so go after it, but go after it. The key to going after it is to go after. <laughs> he says, he says you, you, you need to go after it, but make sure there's a space. And we're not talking about like five feet. We're talking, he says, about 2,000 cubits by measure, do not come near it that you may know the way by which you are going. Now, 2,000 cubits, that's about 3,000 feet. <laughs> that's a lot. That's over half of a mile. 
God tells his people, all right, I want you to follow, just not closely. I want you to go after the presence of God, just not so close that you can reach up from the back seat and grab the steering wheel. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Get, like, 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 follow me, but not so close and that you can yell out directions. Hey, I think it's a left here. You should turn left, turn left. No, no, like we're talking 3,000 feet. <laughs> back up. Like, go after it, but back up. 3,000 feet. We're, like, I, I was thinking about, like, 3,000 feet. I guess if we were to all back, if, if this is the Ark of the Covenant, which I guess it was about this size, sort of in a rectangle flat level, and the, 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 the um, priests would have it on their shoulders. So let's just say this is the Ark of the Covenant. We would need to, you guys need to grab your chairs, and we'd open the back door, and you go back, like, through the parking lot, the other side of the parking lot, into the school playground, past the school playground to 1626, a little bit past 1626, in that field back there. <laughs> Do not go near it. Why? Because you're not driving this thing. And, and one of the concerns that I have is that people who are trying to go after it, they're so close that they can't see when God moves. They can't tell the difference between when God moves and when they move. They're so close that they can't distinguish the difference. You know, like, like, when, like when extroverted people are like, well, God just told me to tell 50 people this. And I'm like, eh, really? That sounds a lot like you. All you. Like if you, like if you told you, if you were God, you would be out there and telling everybody. Could be God's calling you to the secret place. Or like when, when introverted people, the Lord's telling me to be more introverted. Really? Because that sounds a lot like you. Like, like I, I could be God's trying to get you out of your comfort zone. Out of your place that you would rather be if it was just you and if you were running the universe, right? If you were, if you were running the universe, then, then sure, fine. But when you're following God, you need to back up far enough. 3,000 feet. This is, I'm not talking about six feet. We're talking about 3,000 feet. Back up 3,000 feet away so that you can make a clear distinction between you and it. So that you can tell when it starts going left and it starts going right and it starts going forward. In other words, if you want to take the land, which is what they wanted to do, you're going to have to let God take the lead. If you want to take the land, you have to let God take the lead. And I'm convinced many of us are on the other side of our promises, not because we're not ready to go after it. Some of us, that's it. But some of us, we're so ready to go after it that we're not ready to go after it. That, that, we're not, that we want the promises of God, but we're not ready to get behind the one who made the promises that we're not willing to place him in the highest priority in our life, and we have various other priorities and other things that we're interested in. And honestly, like 40 years from now, we're going to look back and be like, man, I missed it because I was too busy with so many other things. Because I wouldn't just get behind him. Because I wouldn't just wait for him. I wouldn't just stand there until he got so far ahead of me. Right? And so I mixed in my version of truth and my calling and what I wanted to do with his direction in my life in that season. If you want to go after it, you have to position yourself after it. Position everything in your life. We talked last week about things God can't do, right? 
God can't lie. He cannot lie. He cannot tell a lie because he is the truth. He cannot um, learn anything because he already knows everything, right? He cannot travel because he already is everywhere. Well, here's another one for you. He cannot be second place. He cannot because he is preeminent. Colossians says that Christ is preeminent, meaning he is before all things and he is more important than all things. All things were created for him. All things were created for him because he is more important than everything. And so, you know, I, I know we say in church, you got to put God, put God first, put Jesus first. Well, guess what? Even if you don't put him first, he is first. Like he is the most important thing. You can recognize his firstness. And if you do not recognize his firstness, he will not enter into your life. So you have as much power of God as you have his position and priority. So the, the, the power of God is directly linked to the position that you give him in your life. Which is why, it was, for good reasons, pastors say, put God first in your life. And it's not because you're making him first, it's because you're recognizing his firstness. And when you do that, then he can show up in your life. Then he can do great wonders. He can do miracles. Well, if you keep reading the story, what happened is the Israelites uh, waited and the Ark of the Covenant went forward and the, ark, the water was cut off. The Jordan River was parted similar to the way it was parted through the Red Sea. And God was making a statement that his power is connected to his position in our lives. And when he goes first, when he takes priority, when he takes precedent, then he does miraculous things. Then he leads into victory. Then we see revival. Then we see renewal. Then we see the move of God. And so as a, as a, as a messenger today, I want to tell you, back up. <laughs> you're, too, you're, too, you're too close to the controls. You're too close to the steering wheel. You say, well, I haven't touched it. But you've been yelling at the driver for a while, so back up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, this is so far back that you can, that the whole country could be yelling, and they're not, the priests aren't even going to hear you because they're literally in the middle of the Jordan while you're having, you haven't even touched the water yet. Because as soon as God starts moving, there's going to be, well, well, I think, I, 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 I don't know, I don't know. I think we missed it. I just think we missed it. Back up. <laughs> back up you don't you don't know what, what God's doing you wait on him you back up even Joshua who had Jordan before spied out the land 40 years earlier if anybody had a right to be up there front and center of him and him and him and his buddy uh, uh, uh joshua and caleb him and caleb should be right up there being like, all right we, we know what we're doing boys no joshua back up experience is no help here experience will not help you here you know what god did last time you don't know what god's doing now so back up, Joshua. Back up, Caleb. I'm, I'm the head of the tribe of, of Judah. I have a lot of promises over my life. Back up. <laughs> you know, really, you can, you can have promises. You can have words spoken over you and your family, and you're ready to seize the land, and you're ready to go for it. And that's good. But make sure you get in position. Make sure you back up about 3,000 feet, <laughs> about half a mile. 
Because otherwise you'll confuse. And, and just, just as a pastor, I've seen this so many times. I've seen people just, they, 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 it just gets so mixed in with their own feelings. You know, as a youth pastor, story I like to tell is a, a kid named, I think his name was Adam, and he played guitar for our youth group. And he, he, he was kind of far from God, but he was getting closer to God. God was doing some good things in his life. And we were in youth camp. I think I was like 22, and we were in this youth camp. And there was this new girl in the youth camp in the youth group, her name was Ruth, and she was like the prettiest girl in the youth group, and she was like, she didn't have a reputation for holiness, let's put it that way. <laughs> she was, yeah, she, we're, we're still praying that she gets saved. She's in the youth group, we wanted to get saved and follow Jesus, right? But she wasn't necessarily that, and so Adam came to me, and he's like, man, Pastor Harry, the Lord's told me I'm supposed to date Ruth. And I said, Really? The girl, the girl that's not really a Christian, you're supposed to, because I got several scriptures that would talk, uh, speak, speak to that, if you like, that is actually the word of God. And it's, no, 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 I was praying about it here in youth camp, and I had my Bible, and it fell open to the book of Ruth. And he's serious. He's dead serious. I was like, what? The, the, what? No, no, that's not, that's not how any of this works. I mean, it could have fallen open to Obadiah. That doesn't, I mean, come on, bro. Matthew, Mark, the third John you see. I mean, how does this exactly, this is not how God gives dating advice. <laughs> but he so wanted it that he found a reason, a biblical reason to get it. And this is, this is what we do. I've had guys tell me they're called to, you know, strip joints. I'm called to the strip clubs. Oh, no, no, no. You back up about 3,000 feet from the door. That's where you, that's where you live, 3,000 feet from the door. Like you can see an arc, but you can't see other details from that distance. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> pray from there. That's right. Just, you know, pour some oil from there. I mean, that's not the Lord telling you to go to that strip club, man. I'm sorry. That's not, that's not Jesus. <laughs> you need but we, it can get so confused. It can get, and so you have to back up. You say, how do, I, how do I back up? Well, let me give you some practical ways for you to back up. And go after it at the same time. Because what needs to back up, not your spirit, but your flesh. That's what has to back up. Your spirit needs to go after it. Your spirit needs to charge after God. Your spirit needs to be hungry for God. Your spirit needs to be thirsty. Those that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. So you never want to lose the intensity of the desire for God in your spirit. It's your flesh that needs to take 3,000 steps back. So, 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 so stir up your spirit and step back in your flesh. And so, so let me give you two quick ways. The first way we talked about this Wednesday night is through fasting. Uh, C, uh, C, CCU, City Chapel University, we talked about fasting this past week. And fasting is a great way for you to back up your flesh. So what is fasting? Fasting is going without food. You say, well, I have a medical condition that I have to eat to live. That's lovely. We all have that condition. It's called being a human. <laughs> I guarantee you skip breakfast and lunch and you're not going to die. You may feel like you're going to die, <laughs> but you're not going to die. Fasting is one way to back up your flesh because unless, you know, some people have medical conditions where they can't skip a meal. I'm not sure about that, but most people, most like pretty much everybody in this room, 
can handle that. And so, so, I'll, so I'll tell you what tell you what we're doing. As a staff, we started this a little bit ago. We're fasting on Thursdays, specifically to pray for the lost. Pray for people that need Jesus in our lives. Pray for people that need God. That's what we want to do. Pray for revival. Pray for God to, to blossom in our neighborhood and, and in our families and in relationships and in people that we know and that we work with. And so what we do is we, we don't eat breakfast and we don't eat lunch. That's basically what. And then we eat dinner at the regular time when we would eat dinner. And it's amazing when you, when, when you start this just as a weekly exercise. Every Thursday, okay, I'm going, I'm going to beat down my flesh so that I make sure that my flesh is back here and that God is out there. That God is in front. That, because for, for many of us Americans, honestly, God and our belly are dictating what we're going to do. Well, my stomach and I have an appointment at 12 o'clock noon and in the cafeteria or in the, in the kitchen or at Chick-fil-A or whatever it might be. Like we work around, like we'll, we'll be doing important things and we'll stop doing those to make sure that we eat. And so I want to challenge you. Some of you are looking at me like, I don't know. I was all about the going after it. I was all about this backing up. That was for other people though, right? No, this is for everybody. And, and, and some of us are not hearing from God because our flesh is just so much in charge all the time, making every little decision. So for one day out of the week, what if you told your flesh to back up? You're not going to make decisions today. Your spirit's going to make some decisions today. And I know you like food and I like food and I know you get dizzy when you don't eat and I get dizzy when I don't eat and I know you feel faint when you don't eat and I feel faint when I don't eat. And that's just, that's what it is. That's called fasting. Feeling nasty. Allowing your flesh to feel nasty and be okay with it. The same thing that happened when Jesus went to the cross. Flesh didn't feel good, but his spirit was being obedient to his father. And so with joy, he looked forward to the prize that was set before him. And so we ignore the cost. We ignore our flesh. We tell our flesh to back up 3,000 feet. Keep on going until I can't hear you anymore. Until you can't grab the steering wheel of my day anymore. Until you can't grab the steering wheel of my attitude anymore. Because some of you are like, you don't want to see me without food. I get, I get hangry. Okay, fine. Maybe you get hangry the first couple of weeks, but then you learn that anger and hunger are not necessarily linked. They have become linked for you, sure, but you have to unlink it because your flesh doesn't always get what it wants, right? But sometimes it gives what it needs, you know what I'm saying? But it needs to back up. And if your flesh would back up, I'm telling you, you would see God move in your life. You would see God move in your family. You would see God move in your church. Some of the things you've been praying for for years, you would suddenly start to see power behind your prayers. Not that God pays more attention to, your, to you when you're fasting, but you pay more attention to God when you're fasting. Let's just tell you right now. You pay more attention to your prayers. And it's not just now I lay me down to sleep and Lord, it'd be really nice if. It's actually going to war in the spirit over the things that are important to the spirit. The flesh understands the flesh, but the spirit understands the spirit. And so let's, let's, let's let the spirit of God talk to us. We kick our flesh out. The other way that you can back up is, 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 with, is with this right here. This is my credit card, debit card, and then I have a RBFCU card debit card. So I got some cards here. Uh, I don't have any cash on me, but this is, this is another way that you can, 
that you can back up is by putting God at the front of your finances, at the beginning, which means before I pay my bills, before I pay my mortgage, before I decide if we're going to go out to eat this month, before we figure anything out, I take 10% of all of my increase, which is what comes in increase, whether people give me money for my birthday or I get money from work that I do or I get money from the church. I take 10% of that and I give that back to God. That's not negotiable. That's not debatable. We're not going to talk about it or pray about it or see if we can afford it. This is my worship. And I'm not going to ask whether or not I can afford to worship. Because I cannot afford not to. I must worship. I must place God at the front of my finances. And so the two biggest, uh, I think, areas that trip up Americans is their stomach and their wallet. These are the areas in which our culture so encourages indulgence that the idea of sacrificing for God in these areas seem almost silly. They seem ridicule. People will laugh at you. People will say, that's ridiculous. The church just wants your money. <laughs> that's ridiculous. What's going without food going to do? It's not God doesn't love you anymore now, right? And so they'll find all kinds of reasons to, to encourage your flesh to inch up, by the, up to the movement of God. And yet, man, those same people that are making all those reasons, how, how, how much land have they conquered? All the people given constructive criticism, how much have they constructed? Spiritual fathers who have actually done something in their life, who have actually seen God move, who have actually followed the movement of God, those are the kind of people you need to listen to. Find those people and ask them about fasting and prayer. Ask them about tithing. And I challenge you, they're probably not going to say, well, if it, is just, if it happens, it happens. <laughs> no, because this is a part of worship. Uh, Proverbs actually uh, it gives there's several scriptures for this, but Proverbs, uh, there's a passage in Proverbs 3 verse 9 says, Honor the Lord, this is worship, with your possessions or finances or money or wealth is another translation. And with the first of all of your increase. It's the first of it. It's not, it's not the leftovers. It's not if this is going to work out, but we should honor the Lord. Malachi 3 says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. In the book of Exodus, God lays out his commandments to his people. And he says, the first of your cattle, the first of your livestock, the first of your fields, the first that comes into me. And Jesus even dealt with it. Right? Uh, if we can go to Matthew, we have a, a passage in Matthew chapter 23 where Jesus is he's criticizing the Pharisees and the scribes and he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. You, you are hypocrites because you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin. In other words, they would tithe. They didn't always get paid by, with cash. Sometimes they got paid with spices. And so they would take 10% of those spices, you know, deal it out and give it to the Lord as a tithe. Sometimes they would just pour it out on the ground as an offering to the Lord. Sometimes they would bring it into the house of the Lord. But either way, he says, woe to you because you pay your tithe of mint and anise and cumin and you've neglected the weightier matters of the law like justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. So Jesus even said, your tithing is good, but you're only tithing and that's a problem. 
You're not looking for justice and mercy and faith. And these guys were the lawmakers of their day. These guys were the representatives of the Israelite people to the Roman government. And he says, you're not standing up for them. You're not sticking up for them. But he is not saying just do away with tithing because that's Old Testament and forget about it. And so I believe, and now I, I don't believe it's a salvation issue. I don't believe fasting is a salvation issue. I believe it's a going after it issue. And we stay on the other side of our promised land because we refuse to back our flesh up 3,000 steps. And so I want to challenge you today in your finances. And this isn't because, this isn't, this isn't for the church at all, actually. You tithe to where you're being fed. You tithe to who's feeding you. You take 10% of your income and you give it to God. And you watch how that empowers the rest of your life. I encourage you, watch how that empowers your obedience. Watch how that empowers your ability to overcome addiction and temptation. Watch how when you place God 3,000 feet in front of your flesh and you go after him and you follow him, watch what kind of rivers he will part for you and open up for you. He will do wonders. That's what Joshua said. Tomorrow he will do wonders among you. And actually, if we go, 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 go back to that passage in Joshua chapter 3, I want to just close with that. This is what Joshua, Joshua said. He says, when you see the Ark of the Covenant uh, and the priests, you need to set out from your place and go after it. Yet the, you need to keep a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. And then in verse 5, Joshua said to the people, Now sanctify yourselves... For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. The word sanctify means to set apart. In other words, back up your flesh. Back up yourself. Get behind what God is doing. So Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your leadership in, in this church. I thank you that you've never just left us wandering and but there have been times when I haven't known what's going on. And in those times, I back up my flesh. Because it is often our flesh that stops us from seeing the Ark of the Covenant move. It's our flesh that stops us from seeing what God is doing in our lives in this moment. And so, Lord, right now, we make a commitment to, to, to back up our flesh. We want to position ourselves after you. We want to position our priorities after you. We want to position our desires and our plans and our relationships after you. And so we, we step in line with the Spirit. If anyone walks with the Spirit, let him keep in step with the Spirit. Not right next to him, but right behind him. Letting the Spirit lead. That's what scripture, that's what James says, that, that Jesus left us a footprints that we might follow in his steps. That's behind. So we position ourselves behind the Holy Spirit. And we say, Lord, that you take the highest priority in our lives. 
And that in this season, we're not going to live with timidity. We're not going to live with a spirit of scarcity. We're not going to live with a spirit of, oh no, what's coming next? What's around the corner? I don't know if I have enough to make it. We are going to live according to the word of God, that my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory, and that all I have to do is fall in line with him, in alignment with him, and be obedient to him, and be faithful to him, and keep my eyes on him. There is nothing that can take me out. (laughs) There is no attack of the enemy. The enemy cannot actually cause me to do anything. The enemy cannot derail me. Jesus said that no one can pull me out of my father's hands. I am safely and securely in his hands. And with that understanding, I am choosing to move forward and follow him because he knows where he's going. He knows where he's going. He doesn't make any mistakes. He is flawless. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. And so, Lord, right now we make a decision to go after you. In Jesus' name we pray.